0: Coming up on Inside the NRL, Gold Coast bosses reveal why Garth Brennan was sacked while we look at the candidates in the running to take over the Titans. Nick Kotrick faces a stint on the sideline which is sure to infuriate Raiders coach Ricky Stewart. Whoever thinks it's a spear tackle does not know the game of rugby. And does Jared Waria Hargraves deserve to be banned for an alleged headbutt? Hello and welcome to Inside of the NRL. We had a massive weekend of footy, so plenty to get through. Even more happened off-field than the milestone matches on it. Zach Bailey in the host chair for Katie Brown, who's enjoying a well-earned break for a couple of days. Jamie Soud, Michael Chamis, join me. Uh, Massive news uh, yesterday with the Gold Coast Titans... uh, parting ways with Garth Brennan. I'll start with you, Sowie. Was it the right decision to get rid of Garth Brennan immediately?
1: I think it had to be the right decision. Uh, their, their style of footy had, had really gone off and you're hearing all the rumours in and around. They, The NRL needs the Gold Coast to be successful. Unfortunately, Garth went up there and it was a really, really tough job to go up there and coach that team. So I, d- I don't think his players fully backed him up in terms of some of their performances this year. And You look at the trouble they've had with uh, Ash Taylor up there not being able to play on the field and uh, that performance on Friday night unfortunately just sealed his fate but uh, I, I've had Garth Brennan he's a very very good coach I enjoyed my time under him I just think that the Titans they need a guy an experienced coach to go up there and just pull the reins in maybe even a Queenslander maybe even Kevvy
2: Well they didn't they went with Garth uh, Brennan, when they did at the time, because of you know, financial reasons. They were at a club in the position they wanted to. They didn't want to offer big money to a coach that had been experienced, so they went with someone like Garth Brennan. Now they're at a point with owners there who they need someone with NRL experience because that roster, that's two coaches in the last three years. Mm. Uh, they need someone. There's, there's obviously a lot of talk around Kevy, someone who demands respect. Now, unfortunately, Garth Brennan, he probably lost the respect of the players over the last few, rightly or wrongly, uh, the talk out of the Gold Coast Titans is they lost the dressing rooms over the last few weeks. So I think, yeah. It was inevitable this would happen and I think Garth Brennan realised and that's why he met with Dennis Watt when he did and they pulled the pin mutually.
0: Are you surprised, Michael, that the decision came before Mal Meninga's review was handed down to the board today?
2: No, realistically, Garth Brennan was a dead man walking. He knew that too and speaking to a lot of people around the Titans, they got the feeling that Garth Brennan knew as well. In the last couple of weeks he, wasn't, he hasn't been involved in and around selections and, and recruitment, retention. They've taken that away from him because, to be honest with you, Garth Brennan's, a lot of the reason uh, behind Garth Brennan's... Parting ways with the club, he's behind his recruitment: Bryce Cartwright, Leilani La- Latu, Tyrone Peachy, Shannon Boyd. These guys have been on the back of what Garth Brennan has wanted, and they haven't worked out value for money, whether they worked out or not. And also, yeah, but okay, but there's the, pl- be accountability the, players, the players, the right?
1: players have to have some accountability as well. Tyrone Peachy went up there as a state of origin player. Bryce Cartwright, you can look at that addition by Garth Brennan. He'd had him in the twenties. He thought he could get that untapped potential up there on the Gold Coast. Leilani Latu, when he went up there. He was one of the form front rows in the competition, playing for a contract. Now, if that hasn't worked out, that's not necessarily on Garth. The players have got to have some responsibility as well. Shannon Boyd played for Australia last year, so where does that responsibility come back on the players?
2: Well, 100, percent it falls on the players, but also, realistically, they're not going to they're not going to be able to move those guys on. They've been trying to move on Layla. Yeah, but,
1: yeah, but go years. back to your point because you're saying that that Garth, that's Garth Brennan. Yeah, but if Garth, he hasn't been able, they to- had to
2: pay 800,000 to get Shannon Boyd up or there. Did they?
1: He, well, they had to get if they wanted a front rower to get up there, they had to do that.
2: Yeah. Well. Look, I don't think Garth Brennan, you know, he was led to believe that these guys would come up there in a condition that they would be, you know, look at Bryce Cartwright. We haven't seen the best. That Bryce Cartwright was going to play Origin two, or three years again, and at the moment. Look, OK, no, well,
1: yeah, it's play. easy for Bryce Cartwright to be the whipping boy, but we've got to remember what this young man's been through in the last couple of years. Well, you're telling
2: me this to players take account I'm of just doing. saying,
1: I'm just saying, you, you, you're jumping from one to another. You're going from an Australian player to a young kid who's gone through so many troubles off-field, who's gotten himself back into first grade, been consistent this year, probably the most consistent I've seen Bryce play for a long, long time. I'm talking about, you, you, you label Boyd, Peachy and Leilani Latu. Well, Boyd came from an Australian uh, back, uh, Australian team performance last year so he should come and add to the team oh, he didn't he, play if, if he's for a number of years yeah but if he got out of shape mm-hmm. and got up there and went on the gold coast that's that's on him the coach can do or it's up to the player it's as not well just the
2: players he signed as well i think the players in general that's two coaches now player power has played a part in you know neil henry with, with what happened around jared hayne and he lost so the who, who are there. you
1: hearing is leading the way in the dressing room then because someone has to be in there pretty much talking to all the the boys. The
2: senior players there, uh, the the interesting thing that I found that this review when it came out wasn't supposed to be about the coach, it wasn't a witch hunt to try and remove Garth Brennan. Now, interestingly, Garth Brennan was never interviewed at all throughout the whole process. Now, apparently people at the club said that he was going to be interviewed at the very end uh, but they decided against it because, uh, with the way he'd been approached the last few weeks, I think Garth Brennan got the feeling that he, there was no point to anything that the result was already coming, regardless of what he said in that review. So, interesting, the players didn't have, there's a number of players there who didn't back the coach. Um, the, the, the coach had a number of choice words with a few players there, and those players probably let their feelings be known to the coach. So, it's a Mal Meninga in that review. So, look, I, I think the players have a lot to answer for in terms of the way they've handled it because... Neil Neil Henry, a very good coach and didn't deserve the respect, didn't deserve to be treated the way he did. Gone. And now another coach gone.
0: Yeah, well, with the coach gone, it's now up to the players. They're going to play for their own futures because the next coach that comes in won't be holding back, that's for sure. And uh, the Titans focus now turns to who can replace him. Uh, The chairman of the Gold Coast Titans, Dennis Watt, had this to say earlier today.
3: Well, I think I think probably one of the insights would be that we do need more NRL experience, um, you know, in the, in the club, in the in the makeup, the makeup of the club. And when I talk about NRL experience, I, I think it's just that that uh, knowledge and, uh, and ability to withstand extraordinary pressure. You know, ours is a highly pressurised game, with most of the focus on the on the coaches. And um, you know, Garth certainly certainly felt that pressure. Particularly when you're not winning, it is the most important decision we're going to make in terms of um, the coach who's going to take us forward. You know, we're in no doubt that this is this is it. You know, this is this is this is the last stand. You know, we have to, we have to get it right. You know, there are plenty of other people you know banging on the door who would um, you know probably like to launch teams elsewhere. Yeah,
0: Dennis Watt speaking there. Sowie, plenty of names have been thrown up, some without NRL experience in terms of head coach. Craig Fitzgibbon, Adam O'Brien, Justin Holbrook who's over in the Super League. But do those comments there suggest that those coaches are out of the running now because they want someone with NRL experience?
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, you listen to the chairman there and they're going to go through a thorough examination of what coaches go up there. And, yeah, I had Anthony Griffin and we probably didn't see eye to eye all the time out at Penrith and I ended my contract in England, but he would be the perfect candidate to go up there. He trains his players hard, he gets them fit, but he's also got the brain to be able to unlock some of those guys up there. And and I'm talking in particular about Ash Taylor. I I know he's going through some mental stuff at the moment, but for him to be fully fit for a season would benefit the the Gold Coast Titans, no end, and they've got guys off contract, Jai Arrow, Ryan James in and around. So they need to make decisions. While they need to go through it, Chalmers, but they need to make the right decision. And for me, I think Anthony Griffin can be that guy to unlock the potential, to get him fit. He's a Queenslander, he's on the Gold Coast, he can get, get the hardness back into the Titans and try and create something.
2: With all due respect, Sal, you, when you were at Penrith, you were saying that with Anthony Griffin, he didn't understand the players. And you were talking about a playing group who've now been responsible but for they've gotten that, the yep. past two coaches. Yep. If he's not going to be able to understand these players...
1: And it's a, it's a different time. And from player to coach to now working alongside Anthony, you sit down and you realise that there's only 16 jobs and there's only a certain amount of rugby league players and you probably clash at times and that was a pressure cooker situation you know we'd gone from a major semi-final in 14th and second last to me being told oh, I'm no longer wanted at the club so my life was re, you know getting back together itself Anthony Griffin's going to make him fit that's the first point that the, the Gold Coast Titans are starting at a way lower point than what the Penrith Panthers did you know we'd come off a major close to a grand final so I felt back then that the Panthers had reached their ceiling, but he'd got them to the finals. You know, getting this team to compete for an eight, top eight spot is is the next challenge. I think the the ceiling had been reached at Penrith, but he can start fresh with the Gold Coast Titans.
0: What do you think, Chamus? Is Anthony Griffin the man, or do they need someone fresh that hasn't potentially? Uh had the experience.
2: Yeah, look, I, I had heard of Justin Holbrook's name for quite a bit over the last few weeks, so I think he'll be a very strong candidate. I think he'll get, um, he'll be you know, one of the last few in the running there. The other one I'm hearing the last couple of days is David Ferner. Sort of on the out, where well, he's obviously lost his job in England. Uh, we had him back. South Sydney rated him highly. Probably would have been coach at the Rabbitohs, had things worked out differently with Seabold. Um, so, look, David Ferner, I expect him to probably be in and around the club in some capacity. And that might not be the head coach's role, but definitely I think they've got their eye on him very close relationship with Mal Meninga, so in experience, as Dennis Watt said earlier, not just in the head coaching role, but around the club, so um, I, David Furner, yeah, you, obviously you mentioned Fitzgibbon, I, I don't discard Kevy just yet.
0: Yeah, Trent so, Barrett, there's some word around the, Trent Barrett. Trent Barrett is yeah. another candidate as well, so in that same press conference this morning, Dennis Watt ruled out Mal Meninga, because a lot of people said that he's almost the perfect fit, but they want him to be in, in his current role, uh, dealing with the culture and welfare of players, but what about Kevin Walters, he's ruled himself out, but surely... Surely he has that interview if he's asked.
2: Oh, look, I, I, I don't... I don't yeah. Kevi's track record in terms of twisting the truth a little bit, I don't buy that, to be honest with you. I was to a few people at Titans. I think there's a feeling there that he wants the Gold Coast Titans to come knocking on the door. That he just wants... He, he feels it probably earned the respect that the Gold Coast come to him rather than him having to sit there and apply with the rest of these candidates. Obviously, did the same thing with Brisbane and got burnt a little bit. You know, he, he felt... I think people around him felt that he was the right man for the job. He was the heir to the throne, He'd given his time there. And then missed out through that interview process, obviously that's not his strength in terms of applying for jobs and you know, some guys' presentations and whatnot. In terms of Kevy wanting this job, I don't completely believe that he doesn't want this Titans job.
0: So if, if they do go after Kevy Walters and he does get the job, surely he can, can't keep up the whole, can't talk about the other team for 30, 30 <laughs> weeks.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if they'll be able to afford the 5500 for Bradley Stubbs either. <laughs> I think, uh, look, Kevy would be... I reckon they've just got to go with someone that they fully are going to hand the keys to and just at least see out a three-year plan. Like there has to be, when you, come, when you become a coach, you end up getting the roster that probably you're not entirely wanted. No one ever walks into a, a new job with the, the roster they want in terms of an NRL coach. So it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds up there on the Gold Coast. So they need someone to tie up those guys. If you lose Jai Arrow, he was an underestimated loss to Queensland through that series, so you can't lose Jai Arrow. You can't lose some of those good players to another club.
0: Well, uh, the question now turns to uh, the Titans' survival. Can they uh, survive on the Gold Coast if they don't get this next appointment right? Here's what former CEO of the Titans, Graham Annesley, had to say.
3: Do I believe the Gold Coast is a graveyard? Absolutely
1: not. I mean, at the end of the day, every player that plays either for uh, the the AFL Suns or for the Gold Coast Titans, uh, they largely uh, are... Players that are purchased, and uh, yes, there's a good sprinkling of local product in that. Uh, so um, you know, there's no reason why the club can't perform, and um, and I'm sure that they will go on and have success.
0: Graham Anderson,ly of course, now the NRL head of football, Michael. If they are, are unsuccessful. Going forward under a new coach, can the Titans survive on the Gold Coast?
2: Massive question marks over whether they can, because I think the the NRL has commissioned a report this year into, in terms of growth and expansion, where they can go. So working out whether they can grow from 16 to 18 or whether 16 is that right number and potential relocation going forward. So if you're talking about relocation, and if the Gold Coast Titans don't get their act together, they can't win games of footy, can't attract crowds, then they're, potentially they're a perfect candidate to fill that second team in Brisbane if that's what they are after. So I think they're in the firing line at the moment. If they don't turn around pretty quickly, then they'll be under pressure to you know, remain there. Because how long can you keep persisting with the Gold Coast Titans? They had some success early on, but for the best part of the last de- decade, they've gone backwards.
1: Do you agree, sir? Yeah, I do. I, I agree. I think it's. I know that Sydney have nine clubs, but it really offends me that the Cronulla Sharks always get thrown into this discussion of relocation when you have a look at the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, unfortunately, they haven't sold out. They haven't performed. Mm. You think about the scenes of 2010 when they played the Roosters in that semi-final up there to get into a grand final. They were humming. They looked like they were going to be you know, a competitive team for the next 10 years. They've lost some of those guys. They've gone away where they haven't been able to keep them. They've churned through the coaches and they haven't got the crowds coming in through the gates up there. There's just There's too much to do on the Gold Coast. People don't, when you go away on holiday, you don't associate, unfortunately, going up there to go and watch the footy. You associate it with going to Movie World, to all those other attractions up there. And if they're not winning games, it makes it even harder to get crowds through the door. Yeah, so if they start winning, that's the, that's the key. Well, winning solves play. everything, but it's also about stability within. I love the addition of Mount Meningo. I think the culture-driven stuff that he's doing there is certainly you know, going to help them. But the next coach that comes in has got a very tough job to, to get that club to start winning.
0: Alright, a massive uh, weekend for the Gold Coast Titans. A massive weekend for the game because we saw the first send-off in a couple of years. Nick Kotrick, of course, sent off yesterday against the Dragons when he upended uh, Tim Laffey. Uh, Sowie, was it a send-off?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I watched it a couple of times and even live just watching it, uh, I I saw that's a bad tackle and we don't want to see that tackle at all in our game. But in terms of a send-off, I think we've seen a lot worse this year. And that's the frustrating things to the fans and to Ricky Stewart is the consistency. Penny Terripo a couple of weeks ago uh, knocked out Jordan Rapina and broke his nose, didn't get sent off. And then you're looking at that one there from Nick Kotrick. However, I will say this. It was nice for Ashley Klein just to back his judgment and go for it. So, I mean, if you're talking about... I wasn't completely disagreeing that it shouldn't be a send-off, but the other way, I thought 10 in the bin probably would have uh, satisfied the Dragons, but it's harsh to send someone off like that when in the last couple of weeks we've seen kneeing over the head, eye-gouging, broken nose... And then you see a, a tackle like that. It's not a spear tackle. It is a throw tackle that just went wrong. So you're saying the other three incidents were
0: all intentional in your eyes, and that wasn't?
1: Well, a swinging arm over the top to break someone's nose is pretty, pretty close to intentional, I would say.
2: You've seen worse than that this year. You said, tackle wise.
1: I'm um, see. I've seen worse behaviour in terms of what's happened. Oh. If the but. Robbie Farron nearly lost a set of eyes. But,
2: and, that should, and that should have been far, punished harsher on the field as well, and I'm not disagreeing with you there. But to say, I, but I think they got it right. That's a send-off every day of the week. That's as dangerous as I've seen for a long time in terms of a dangerous tackle. Yes, Ricky Stewart is right. It's not a traditional spear tackle. Grab him through the legs and do what you need to do with a spear tackle. But well, That was that was as bad as I've
3: seen for a long Can we time. Have spe- have been... spe-
0: speaking of Ricky Stewart, you must know nothing about rugby league <laughs> because uh, here's what Ricky <laughs> had to say about uh, that tackle.
3: That, that was not an intentional... what do they call it? a spear tackle? Whoever thinks it's a spear tackle does not know the game of rugby league. If you call that a spear tackle, you've only just started watching this game. Um, and you shouldn't be involved in it if you think that's a spear tackle. A lot of people would look at that and think it was it's a spear tackle. <clears throat> yeah, well, I just, I just said to you then, mate. What what, what, it's not now, a spear tackle, what is it? Well, it's a, it, it might have been a dangerous throw. Did you think it's a spear tackle? Well, that. if you think it's a spear tackle, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't oh, no, be. You that. shouldn't be a journalist in rugby league. But a bit, <coughs> parents that I mean, I'm not here for the parents. I'm here for my player. I'm not here. I'm here to win a game of football. I do enough promotions of football and rugby league outside the game than worrying about being there for 80 minutes in regards to that tackle. I'm there to win a game of football. I do. I do as much and/or more than any person in regards to promoting the game. So don't start that shit on me.
1: You can see why the Canberra Raiders want to run through a brick wall for Ricky Stewart. I just want to have a look at that tackle again and explain what Ricky Stewart's talking about. You see how he's bent down there and he doesn't pivot straight up and then drop him on his head. He's almost trying to drive him back, but the tall, the, how tall Laffay is and the weight of Laffay spins him over. Now, it's not the traditional pick-up drive-in. He's already on his way over, Tim Laffay. I agree with Ricky Stewart.
2: It doesn't matter what he's trying to do I agree with you He wasn't trying to do that But, he, but we've he, seen players he placed him in his neck And all his weight went on top of it. But him. we've seen players pick
1: up And then they realise They're in a horizontal position And then they let go And it's almost the head's already down He didn't down. let go He
2: went through with the tackle Even more He's though. crouched
1: down I've seen spear tackles come up And they go Well it's and,
2: not a spear tackle That's, that's exactly, exactly it. right So if it's not a spear tackle but it's, it's it a dangerous, dangerous throw Well he
1: has t- been charged for Grade 3
0: dangerous throw And he's facing up to 4 weeks out So if he accepts the early plea, He gets 3 weeks If he fights it he gets 4 Is that enough Michael?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think the send-off is right. If someone's going to see four weeks, on the, four weeks on the sideline for a tackle, that's got to be bad enough to be sent off to miss that, for that amount of time. Four weeks is a long time to miss, especially for a player who's missed 20-odd minutes with a send-off as well. Obviously, that counted, I think, into it as yep. well. He would have faced five weeks out. So I, I think it's a send-off. It, it could have been disastrous for league. It could have been disastrous for Tim LaFay.
1: Every tackle could be disastrous. Oh. We don't want any bad tackles to happen like that. But... I think two weeks.
0: Okay, all right, let's move on. Uh, Yesterday, Mao Meninga announced his Origin Merit team following the 2019 series. Of course, the Blues holding on to the Shield. Uh, 11 Blues, 6 Maroons, 4 uncapped Kangaroos players in Jack Whiten, Josh Adokar, Paul Vaughan and Cam Murray. Uh, Sowie, anybody that you would have had there that isn't?
1: No, I think that was pretty close. I mean, you look at the, the Blues dominated and... In some of the positions, I mean, Ben Hunt was outstanding for Queensland in that series. I thought that uh, he really pushed Cook, but Cook, that last performance mm. really probably got him over the line in terms of their head-to-head battle, but I was pretty happy with the team.
2: Yeah, the only one you really could put an argument there for is Dane Gagai, probably man of the match in game one. You could have argued maybe deserved the spot ahead of um, Blake Ferguson, but they won the series, So and he, and he came up with the pivotal play at the pivotal moment, so... No real arguments with what Malmoning has come up it's with.
0: It's hard to go past what Blake Ferguson and, and Josh Adokar did. Yeah. That,
1: if Dane Gagai was good in game two, there'd be a real argument
2: mm, for it, but yeah.
1: he didn't get much of a go in either.
0: And the
2: pressure people. that
1: Blake Ferguson came yeah. in under to game two was Yeah. he was fantastic for the Blues. Not just that last play, but coming in with all the pressure on him, all the talk about whether he's ever going to play for the Blues again, he deserves his spot.
0: All right. Uh, it was a great Origin series, Sowie, uh, apart from that final try in game three. What was your highlight of the 2019 series?
1: Well, I think. You take it back to before Game 2, boys, and you know, I was one of the people that stu- stood firm with Brad Fittler. Uh, you can go back to the tape and check it if you like. But just that the pressure that he absorbed going into Game 2. He took all the pressure off his players. He made changes. He was battered, you know, from pillar to post, but he stayed true to his plan that he believed in with Bedsy and Greg Alexander, the plan that they'd come up with, and they went over with the series on the line to a neutral venue and won by 30 points. That was just... That was amazing. Yeah,
0: and he enjoyed it, didn't he? Even in the, in the way he said it's still the best job you can have in rugby league. Uh, Chamis, what was your moment of the series?
2: Yeah, mine came from this game as well. I think that try uh, in the second half, it really put, you know, put the nail in the coffin for Queensland in that game two in Perth. When James Tedesco broke it open space, the rain pouring down and then produced that magical flick pass uh, to Tom Trebojevic. For me, that's one of the great origin tries. I know it'll get overshadowed by what happened at the end uh, in game three, but a um, bit of brilliance there from these two, especially... Given yeah, Tommy supposed to be playing in the right, in right centre to be in that position. Magical try. Look at those conditions. Yeah, to me that was a special moment. Yeah,
0: and when you spoke about uh, the moment in game two and the game three, James Tedesco is by far uh, the best player. Yeah, by far.
1: Right. He's, he's special.
0: Let's look at uh, the run to the finals. Only a, a few rounds left. Uh, let's look at the ladder after seventeen rounds in the NRL Melbourne. They are absolutely flying out in front after another win on the weekend. Uh, Three wins clear of the Rabbitohs who are now back in second. The Raiders and Roosters round out the top four. Uh, Panthers in the eight, that's uh, hard to believe. The Sharks, Cowboys, Tigers all on 16 points just outside the eight. And of course the Titans have spent plenty of time talking about them down on 10 points. Uh, Let's just rewind uh, eight weeks because when I was here uh, during the Origin series. Uh, <laughs> one of these gentlemen made
2: a bold prediction. I think still Penrith if it clicks because that win last week was ugly. But they come this week now, they're only missing Nathan Cleary as the Manly team, missing their best players. No Cherry Evans, no Trebojevic, no Tom Trebojevic as well. They get a win here, suddenly there might be two points outside the eight. There are only four outside the eight. You just never know what this origin period can do for a team. You said hit. <laughs> then, it hit it's here. I'm leaving myself an out because when you come back in eight weeks, I'll say, I told you so.
0: You didn't I, told, I, I told you, you so. <laughs> <laughs> here they are, Penrith. Pretty well played. Hey, you laughing? at me. At the ha- you at that point, there no, like, I didn't. At that point, they were on six points on the ladder.
1: 15th. 15th, and they've gone, they haven't lost since. They haven't. I came back they're, they're four and against is still negative, and they've in been, the eight. They've been impressive, but their one game where they should win. They should win this Friday night via the Dragons if the Dragons turn up. All of a sudden, top four. Yeah, so still a long way to go. <laughs> all right, who's your top eight certainty, Sally Yeah, they haven't been great last month, and I'm looking up for a bit of a help. I think the Sharks. I just there's there's glimpses in the Sharks where you just think they can they can be one of the powerhouses and win this competition, but. Then they put in some stuff. The, other, the way they started the game the other night, they looked disinterested, unenergetic. And, and if they perform like that again, I think it's a blessing in disguise, Sean Johnson getting injured. And it brings Kyle Flanagan in. They got into a bit of a rhythm with Chad Townsend and Sean... And that's no disrespect to uh, Sean Johnson. I just think that for the style that they were playing, they had a lot of young guys there. Plus, the goal-kicking has hurt them as well.
2: Does Cronulla's style suit Sean Johnson? Should Cronulla have changed the way they played when they signed Sean Johnson... To bring him into the game more.
1: I would have played him at full back. I would've left Moilan. Matt Moylan finished the year as one of the best five eights in the competition last year. Be cool. And 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 we can't underestimate the loss of Wade Graham as well. well he's, he's the, he's the cornerstone of everything they do. He, he's the best back row in the world when healthy. So. He, he
2: didn't play in that period. They actually were doing really well. That's so. what I
1: mean. But it's, it's Flanagan. It's it's the goal He's really. Yeah. yeah. It's. Pl- I mean, if they win those three games, they're well, nearly they're top up four. the top. Yeah. The thing that keeps hurting them though,
0: like Gallon missed the weekend. Graham was injured. Moylan was injured. Now uh, John Johnson, Josh Dugan, all their big names uh, keep going down. What about your top eight shaky?
2: Uh, look, I. I think the Knights will be okay, but if I, I'm just a little bit worried about this period coming up in the back of Origin. I think they had six players involved in Origin. They haven't had to deal with that before. Kalen uh, Ponga coming off injuries the last couple of years, the back end of years, he's sort of struggled with injuries. So I'm a bit worried about the Knights. This is a big game this weekend against the Roosters. If they can get the job done, and they did recently as well, if they can get the job done, I'd say they're safe. But a loss here. And
0: so started. you made a bold prediction eight weeks ago. In eight weeks when the comp's over, will the Knights be playing finals for Yes, they, yes they will, no. but I
2: think they're shaky
1: I don't. Uh, I don't think so. No. Ooh. I didn't like what I saw. I think that crowd, twenty-five thousand packed in on Friday night, and you saw that bounce into Origin. You know, that's almost an incentive that you're going to get four days off if you've done that. And mm. Mitchell Pearce was fantastic, but it's the guys that you know didn't play Origin that need to come up to that level now and ride them home. And plus, what happens is when you start the season slow, like Penrith, like Newcastle did. You don't get that extra margin for error. We're seeing the Roosters struggle a little bit at the moment, but their season start was so good that they've, they've got themselves a little bit of a buffer, whereas Penrith, Newcastle, now the Sharks, they haven't got that room to move now. They, they are one bad loss, like Newcastle last week, against the Bulldogs from putting themselves out of the eight.
2: I'll tell you one thing. They're a 12-point better team with Callum Ponga there, and not just because of what he does, but the uncertainty around him when he plays because he makes the other players around him look good, not just what he does, But just the the uncertainty in the defensive line, when Kalen Ponga takes the ball of the line, you just don't know what he's gonna do. And it just puts holes for folks like Lachlan Fitzgibbon and guys around him. Just makes them such more better players. Well, and he's
0: out for four or five weeks with an elbow injury as well. And Pearcey, mm. as you said, off mm. the back of an Origin uh, series, Daniel Soffidi first mm. Origin series. Clemens still got a busted wrist and playing through the pain. So
2: if Calen plays most of the games, they'll be fine.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, time for sweet or soured. Have you got a sweet or soured moment for us this week?
1: Soured this week. I did the game on Saturday night. Cam Smith four hundredth. Congratulations to all the guys that had milestones. But there was a passage of play in the second half that needs explaining. Uh, The Sharks are coming to get him in the second half. You can just see here, out the back, beautiful play. And the touch judge on that edge has stopped before the ball was passed. Now for, for me, I've seen worse let go. I think it comes out of the hands backwards and I don't understand why the touch judge was first. You see there, he's in front, he's already stopped. So that to me looks like a forward pass when it wasn't a forward pass. Because what happens after this play, you see here, that's how the hand's backwards. If it has to go forwards, Josh Adokar's hand comes over the top and it has to hit his hand uh, to go forward. What happens after this is, Melbourne go down the other end, Cameron Munster goes short play, right? Justin Olam is standing in front of Cameron Munster when he plays. Now you can't excuse that defense on the line, but it's, it's a trickling effect coming back from a wrong call from the touch judge, one end and then 30 seconds later, not calling a forward pass, a blatant forward pass, which ends up leading to a try.
2: Look, I'm not as passionate as Sowie is on that. I think he could have gone either way. I think probably lean towards try for the Sharks. I think that's probably the right call. But you're right, that Justin Olin pass, the Munster Olin pass, that's a forward pass.
0: Mm. All right, time to uh, move on to our favourite segment here for the week. Hit or miss? And the first one, uh, Jared Warrior Hargraves did nothing wrong.
1: Sowie. Hit. I, I was happy with it. You watch that at full, at full speed and you look at uh, if there was anything wrong, there's two referees on the field. Now, you, of course, we're going to get different angles, slow it down and have a look. And he looks down. What are you told as a young fella or a young girl to put your head down and run? So Jared Warrior Hargraves oh has, skittled, has skittled a couple of people there. I'm happy with it. If there was something wrong then the bunker needs to tip him up straight away and stop the play. And if the referee thought it was that bad to start with, he would have pulled him up straight away.
2: No wonder you wore a headgear throughout your whole career. If that's what you would <laughs> tell, put your head down and run like that. that. He did it deliberately. He ran over the top of him, terrific run. And you know what, Josh Maguire on the floor, he wants to come in with the over the top, I got you. And I don't mind the intent, but this was deliberate. He tried to headbutt him. And regardless of whether you think it's a one or two, three or four week suspension, he did it deliberately, Sally. And to tell me that's not deliberate,
1: We'll watch His it. reputation's hurt him there more than anything else. I reckon if, he'd ha- if he was a clean skin, he'd get off.
2: It's such a shame because it was such a powerful moment. He's run over the top of him. And you know what? I know, I, I don't know, I've never played in a game of uh, NRL football, but the, you know, the emotion there, and especially someone like Josh Maguire, who's uh, a villain in the game, you would have thought, you know what, I'll get you here. But it, there's so many cameras, you can't get away with that. And unfortunately, it was deliberate.
0: OK, all right. Uh, our second point here. Uh, Gordon Tallis had some interesting comments uh, to say about Josh Dugan in their match against the Storm, there's got to be every time I've watched him play this year, he's he's down a lot. And the welfare of players now, you would think that Josh Dugan's at the crossroads where he doesn't finish a lot of games. What is he playing about 10 games a season for the Sharks? He'd be high on the salary cap. There's got to be this, There's got to be. There's got to be a discussion. You know, I'm around, does he want to keep on paying the price? Everybody plays injured, but every time I watch, watch him play, he's always on the canvas. And it's sad watching him. So you either watch this guy go out and get beaten up every week or he just goes and sits in the crowd like everybody else. So the question, uh, Gordon Tallis crossed the line with his comments
2: regarding Josh Dugan. Well, I don't think you can argue with the fact that Josh Dugan gets... He stays down and gets hurt a lot. He does, and, and we've all seen it. He gets hurt more, probably more often than not. But to call for his retirement, I thought that was a bit unfair i think gordy was fight- i don't think gordy crossed the line till the very end there when he sort of said he needs to go sit in the stands but look josh duke and he does i, I, don't, I don't know you've you've obviously been on the field a lot of players there are guys who are more susceptible to injury or not now uh, i know josh is quite passionate about this and defended himself the last few weeks but i i think a lot of people will admit that he does get injured more than most more than others but to call for his retirement i don't think that's fair
1: Yeah, I think he's just more alluding to the fact where he needs to make a decision. Look, the the comments are what the comments are. I mean, unfortunately, Josh Dugan has been injured a lot in his career, but you look at some of those collisions there. I mean, I would hate to think that people are questioning Josh Dugan's character just off the basis of getting injured. So, um, look, the, the comments are what they are. I think that Josh Dugan's just had a real unlucky run at the moment, and he's... You see that there, like no one tries to tackle with their nose. You know, that's just a head clash. He goes up to contest for a ball. It's it's putting his body on the line, but he is getting injured a lot. He may have to sit down and think about it at the end of the year if he's if he's getting injured and bashing up his body about the quality of life. But I love watching Josh Dugan play.
2: I don't think we asked the question. If if, if Josh Dugan's on 350 grand, no one's sitting here asking the question. It's because he's on such a big contract over there, one of the highest played players at the club, and because.
0: And he went there
2: there is an Australian and New South Wales representative. Well, that's right, and he's lost both those jerseys in the meantime. Right. So I, yeah, frustration over not getting value for money, I can understand that. But I, we don't have this conversation unless he's one of the highest paid players in the NRL, in, in which he is. So head knocks, whatnot, yes, you can have a conversation about it. But you can't tell me a bloke's going to sit down and think, oh, I getting, have keep getting a couple of niggly injuries, I might retire. It's not going to happen.
0: All right, let's move on. Uh, the Dragons pulled the trigger too early when re-signing their coach, Paul McGregor.
2: Hit. I think I said the opposite at the start of the year. I, I, I said, look, it's a smart move from the Dragons to give him that, you know, show, show them the support and back him to get the job done. But the problem is, in hindsight, he hasn't got the job done. And that roster is potentially stronger this year than it was last year, and they've gone backwards. And you look at someone like Corey Norman coming into that side. He's played Origin. Ben Hunt, obviously, an Origin-established player, played for Australia. Widop's blow was huge, right. But they still have a good enough team there this year to be playing finals football at the very least. I, I thought the Dragons were close to winning the comp this year with that roster, and now the fact is that they're languishing down the bottom of the ladder, their finals football probably over, their hopes of playing finals football. So you asked the question, yeah. I, I think in hindsight they made the wrong call, because if they didn't, they'd be in a position right now deciding whether to keep Mary and let him go. And if, if, if they hadn't signed Mary McGregor, Jamie, I'm tipping right now they wouldn't be re-signing him.
1: Yeah, it's a hit for me, unfortunately. Look, the Dragons yesterday, it was really hard to watch their style. There's no uh, rhythm or cohesiveness to what they do. It's uh, it's like they meet each other on game day at the moment and they just come out and, and try and win a game. Now, they are trying hard, but in terms of pulling the trigger, um, I... I've had Mary, and I think he's a great coach, but in terms of what they need at the moment, they need someone to shake it up a little bit at the Dragons. I think the the fans are calling for it at the moment. They're under pressure, they're third last, and they re-signed him last year off the back of a, a finals performance where they just scraped in. They went up and they were one point short, but there would have been no rush to just wait six, seven rounds, what Parramatta did with Brad Arthur, he's been rewarded for their good start to the year, usually the Dragons are up and then they go down, they haven't been up at, at all this year in terms of being able to be a premiership contender so yes, that, a hit for me, they, they pulled the trigger too
2: soon. I will say this though, there aren't many top line coaches waiting in the wings like last year you had Dez, Michael Maguire and this uncertainty around Wayne Bennett Yeah the but but so Dragons you- get rid of Paul McGregor, there, are, there, there isn't an option there. Well, the Dragons
1: won't, pay, be the Dragons won't pay the coach out. They, they've ne- I don't think they've ever done that in terms of letting a coach go like Penrith and having to bring someone in, or the Tigers and that mm. kind of stuff. The other thing is, y- you talk about you want to bring... Justin Holbrook was an assistant coach at the Dragons. So how can they not think that, that he, he's got success over there with St Helens. They're about to streak through the competition over there. If you're talking about you want to bring someone in, why not Justin Holbrook? Mm. We might have a job on the Gold Coast, who knows yet. Uh, James Tedesco is the best player in the world right now. Jamie Soward, Miss, I think he's up there, but Cameron Smith's the best player in the world for me. And People say, well, you know, he's getting older and he hasn't, doesn't play for Australia, this and that. Sit down and watch the game. He runs the game how he wants it to run. Still the best player in the world, in my opinion.
2: Yep, I agree with Jamie. Uh, I think uh, Smith, Taumalalo, Tedesco, that's my top three in order. So... He's catching, he's catching though. And I spoke to Mel Meningo over the weekend and he said that in terms of the margin between Billy Slater and the rest, it's been so far for so long. James Tedesco's almost, almost there in the words of Mel Meningo in terms of being at Billy's level, which is a massive, massive rap.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt that Cameron Smith is probably the most influential. That, that
1: play player. right there is how he's developed his game at the Roosters. You talk about his talent early on at the Tigers was get the ball, run. There was a game down at Shark Park last year where they were actually they're working out how to attack with James Tedesco, how to get him more ball, and they were swinging to the open side and he's sort of a bit clunky, but now it's, they've worked out a way. Trent Robinson's done a fantastic job with Cooper Cronk to work him out how to get the footy, to make sure that he's... That ball out in front, two years ago, I reckon he's trying to run and they're holding off on him and they probably shut him down. Right there, that ball out in front has made him into the, probably the best... Definitely the best fullback in the world. Well, if he's not the best player in the world, maybe he's the best big game player in the world
0: right now, given the retirement of Cam Smith from Rip footy. And the last one, George Tafua is a bigger and better hitter than the old manly hitman Steve Matai. Miss? Can
2: we ask you because you're the manly tragic, hit or miss?
0: Uh, miss, miss. Yes, miss. only because he's got. A, if he can keeps up for the next two or three years. Uh, then yeah, but Steve Maddow basically had to retire because of shoulder and neck injuries in the end because of pulling off hits like this. Well, Adam,
2: Adam, Adam Dewey's going to have to retire uh, shoulder and neck injuries I'll, tell you, <laughs> what, I'll tell you
1: what I missed, because Steve Maddow got me one night at Brookvale. Admittedly, I'd passed the ball and it was late, but... Did uh, he be him four weeks? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, he'd probably be facing more. <laughs> I mean, it was horrendous. No, it's uh, Steve Maddow got me one night. My goodness. This was. is probably the best he's ever pulled off on Paul yeah. Dave Tyrrell. And that's the difference. Dave Tyrrell... I mean, (laughs) Sifu has done his job, but Dave Tyrrell versus Dewey. uh, Maddye's launched into him and... Uh, hopefully he's well now with all those neck injuries but yeah, Steve Matter.
0: yeah, absolutely blindsided him here but both uh, South players got straight up and played the ball so Adam Dewey on the weekend I, I didn't have, if that's what you're wondering I, a, I clearly I, didn't I'm would have. i surprised <laughs> he got straight up because it was such a big hit and he pulled one off on um, Shane Wright the Cowboys player earlier this year and absolutely rocked him mm. so he's uh, he's got a highlight brings back good up.
1: memories watching those <laughs> Steve the Maddow body, no, just some, someone getting tackled the body just <laughs> shudders I'm, I'm that happy <laughs> I'm retired yeah, me
0: too um, <laughs> Tyler Time for champ or chump, and as I mentioned someone uh, isn't in this hot seat because uh, they're over enjoying themselves in New Zealand. Katie Brown has been bungee jumping, let's uh, take a look at this. Yeah, That's just like right. everything she does, she's the face of the game. So she has to document everything she's doing, even while she's on holidays. The question is, isn't rather whether she's a champ or chump for doing the bungee jumping. But what about the grade three carry-on? Yeah, didn't need that.
1: Um, she's not here to defend herself, but. Do they have GST in New Zealand? Because there is a lot of GST on <laughs> that there. Uh, she was recording herself, but uh, champ for doing it. I would never, I've done skydiving. I would never do bungee jumping.
2: Yeah, champ for doing it, yeah.
1: Chump for, for the carry jump on. for
2: the carry-on. I love you, Mum and Dad. What are you doing, Katie? <laughs> what are you doing, Katie? Yeah, no, it's uh, chump for me. I, a chump I, for, I, I can't it, sit it here bet, and call you a chump last week for interviewing the okay. great man, the great man statue, Wally <laughs> Lewis.
1: It, we've got two seconds right now. Let's put it on the line. If Penrith don't make the eight, after what you've said now the last two times, you'll bungee jump. No, oh. Do it. Okay, done. Right, I have to Look down yeah. the barrel. And oh, you leave me hanging. The that's like my done. my daily moment. Uh, Thanks very uh, much. Yeah, yeah, that done. That you'll amazing. bungee jump if they don't make the eight. We've still got oh, to shit. get the uh, gold uh, field
0: goal challenge between yes. you two as no, well. That's, I that's, guess. A, that's a gimme,
1: that one. <laughs> Michael just thinks it's so <laughs> easy to slot it with
0: all the pressure yeah, on him in our own see. We'll
1: wait and see.
0: Katie Brown, we cannot wait to have you back despite your Grade 3 carry-on. Some people in the office are saying, Grade 5 carry-on.
2: Straight to Judiciary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sowie Power Rankings this week. Manly lost, but they went up.
1: Yeah, I like the way that they're playing, Manly. I think that that's, for me, that's the standard. You look at the Dragons, Zach, and you talk about injuries and Widdop and all that kind of stuff. This Manly team goes out, plays an attractive style. They compete on every play. So they moved up a spot. uh, But the Sharks, they're continuing just to drop down. I'm a bit worried about the Sharks. I think they're teetering on the edge. They need a big performance to to just give themselves some confidence. But you can read the Power Rankings every Monday at midday on NRL.com. And
0: next Monday, uh, Katie Brown will be back in the hot seat to keep both of these gentlemen in check. <laughs> no doubt you'll be going at each other, as you always do. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow for NRL teams. Uh, plenty of news. Obviously, a few injuries out of the weekend to the likes of Sean Johnson and Josh Dugan. We spoke about them earlier. Jeff Tuvi's in with uh, Mark Spud Carroll, the old manly teammate. So Spud will be fired up. He's been waiting for his start all year. As always, it's been great to be here, thanks, part man. of well first done. grade. I'll be back to Canterbury Cup tomorrow. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Have a good one.